and I think that's part of what's hard about this phase of life sometimes is realizing, oh, yay, I've become this. Oh, wait, I haven't become this person that I always assumed I was going to be. Welcome to Midlife Mixtape, the podcast. I'm Nancy Davis Coe, and we're here to talk about the years between being hip and breaking one. Where do I belong? Tell me why I'm here and what's taking this long. When can I move on? I'm ready. Today's podcast is brought to you by Falling Leaf Card Company, where you'll find beautifully designed cards and gifts by artist Lee Connolly. Now through Valentine's Day, save 15% on your first order by using the discount code MIXTAPE. That's M-I-X-T-A-P-E. Visit Falling Leaf at fallingleafcardco.com for cards and gifts that bring you closer to those you cherish. Hi, everyone. How's it hanging? Hope all is well and that 2018 is getting off to a good start for you. In case one of your goals for this year is getting your midlife belongings under control, I think today's guest is going to be right up your alley. But before we get to the interview, I wanted to mention something because it occurred to me that people who listen to the podcast may not even realize that there is also a Midlife Mixtape blog at midlifemixtape.com. There is an article circulating from the Washington Post about how mom blogs have lost authenticity and nobody does long-form posts anymore. I'm the dope who never got that memo, so I've been posting my humor and music ramblings over there since 2011. Not so much mommy blogging, more humor and music blogging, but anyway, I'm inviting you to go check it out the next time you're stuck in a doctor's office or DMV line and you need something to read. Uh, Just this week, I have a review up of the first aid kit concert I went to on Wednesday night. Oh my God, you guys, they are flawless. They're so good. And also an essay on all the countries to which I'd like to immigrate and all the reasons why they would probably be wise to say no. It's always interesting to me because I can see what old posts people are looking at. And lately, there's a trio of reviews I've done in the past of Lord Huron shows over the years. And all of a sudden, those are getting read a lot. And lo and behold, Lord Huron announced a new tour yesterday. They're going to be on tour starting in April. And I'm going to tell you guys, if you have not seen Lord Huron play live or listen to their music, that is my tip for the week, the month, the year. Um, They're one of my very favorite bands. They're my top three live performers bands behind Neil Finn and Bruce Springsteen. And they're coming on tour. So go check them out. If, if you want to read what they're all about, go over to Midlife Mixtape and search for Lord Huron. And just be forewarned, my reviews are not your standard concert reviews. They always culminate with the single most important question for midlife concert goers. Was it worth hiring the sitter? And if you go to midlifemixtape.com and subscribe, you go up to the box on the right-hand side, you get an email right to the comfort of your inbox whenever I post something new. And that's generally once or twice a week tops. Some weeks it's less. Um, There's also links to the other writing I do for outlets like the San Francisco Chronicle and the Washington Post and Us Weekly, where I am part of the fashion police. In the meantime, my guest today is Dana White, a blogger, podcaster, speaker, and much to her own surprise, a decluttering expert. She taught both English and theater arts, and then in an attempt to get her own home under control, Dana started blogging at A Slob Comes Clean. Dana soon realized she was not alone in her housekeeping struggles. Today, Dana shares realistic home management strategies and a message of hope for the hopelessly messy through her blog, weekly podcasts, and videos. She lives with her husband and three kids just outside of Dallas, Texas. As I like to say, whenever I'm ready to confront my storage area clutter, let's just get in there and do this. 
So we're here today with Dana K. White. Dana, thank you so much for being on the Midlife Mixtape Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, this is a topic that I think is going to be near and dear to everybody's hearts. It's January. We're, we're still full of good intentions. We're Gen Xers with too much clutter. But before we dig down into that, pun intended, we always start with one question here at the Midlife Mixtape Podcast, which is, what was your first concert and what were the circumstances? This was a strangely difficult question for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I don't go to a lot of concerts, but I did start thinking back and I realized, okay, so I think my first, first concert was probably Amy Grant with oh my. my parents mm-hmm. when I was like fourth grade, maybe. Okay. Um, but my first, like I went and then I turned into a huge raving fan was um, Counting Crows oh, when wow. I was in college. So they are the ones that... I hear these because I had their CD. I listen to it all the time. And I hear these songs every once in a while. And I'm like, okay, I am being completely transported back to a different period of my life. And then I realize, oh, yeah, that's them. Okay. That's the magic. (laughs) That is the magic of that first concert. And well, I've learned after 20, this is my 22nd episode. There's always two answers. There's the one your parents took you to, but then there's the one you want to claim. And those guys are local here. And uh, I think they're from Berkeley. So I I know it's supposed to be super nice guys. So good choice. Good choice. Well, thanks. Well, and I wondered too, given that your job is a decluttering expert, which we will also get to talking about how you got that title. But do you have a playlist for when you're decluttering your house or helping other people do it? Do you have like a motivational Rocky playlist? I have the tiger. I am a total podcast person. I'm a total podcast. I mean, I love podcasts so much that, you know, besides the fact that I'm always in the car running around getting kids different places and listening to podcasts, I also, that's what I listen to, like while I'm doing laundry and cleaning and all that. I'm not going to say that that's not the right thing to do. (laughs) So, and I've thought about this because I think about music too much. And I, I've tried to put together some cleaning playlists, but I have to be really careful because what happens is I get the high energy music and then I end up having a dance party with myself in the kitchen or in the living room. And that's not helpful in any way toward cleaning up or cleaning out. So I have to really balance it like got to be a fun song that I like, but not too fun. So I completely agree. And my problem is I don't just dance. I stop in the middle of the room and belt it out. So oh, yeah, that. That's my, yeah, it it doesn't really lend itself to actually getting a ton done. So Right. Well, listen, let's talk about you as a decluttering expert. And I want to preface this whole thing by saying that I received a review copy of your new book that's coming out in February called Decluttering at the Speed of Life, Winning Your Never-Ending Battle with Stuff. And I am not a hoarder, okay? So I've moved abroad twice. I moved once from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I think those three moves made me a little bit mercenary about things. I'm very, yeah, I'm very non-emotional about, I look at everything as with the lens of would I pay to move this? And I don't say this because I don't need your expertise. I say it because even so, I am surrounded by clutter. And I have so much shit that I need to get rid of. So if somebody like me struggles with it, even if after I've made a deliberate choice not to be, you know, someone who lives with clutter, I think everybody needs this book. So and what I loved about it is that you have this very non-emotional step-by-step methodology that I found very comforting. So can you kind of summarize in the book and and when you are on your podcast, A Slob Comes Clean, what are the steps kind of top to bottom that you recommend to just approaching it and getting rid of it? Well, what you said is 
kind of the key is the non-emotional part of it because I was so emotional. So all of these strategies are ones that I had to develop in my own home because left to just looking at a pile of stuff and trying to figure out what to do with it, I was just overcome with everything has possibilities. I should keep everything. What if? And that was where my brain went. So all of my strategies basically keep me from doing that. So the number one thing is just to get started. And the way that I get started is by doing the easiest of the easy stuff first, which is trash. So anytime I look at an overwhelming pile or cabinet or room or whatever, I just make myself have a black trash bag in my hand (laughs) and look for trash. Because the reason I use a black trash bag is so that the people in my house don't see what I'm putting in it. Um, But How old are your kids, Dana? My kids are 11, 14, and 16. And they're used to it by now. I mean, they're, they're pretty much used to things just disappearing. Oh, did you declutter that? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) but but we've come a long way since I started this whole process. But I asked because I remember when my kids were little, the the word the worst word you could hear was special. But that's my special. Oh, really? This pink pencil with no lead left in it? That's special? I don't think it is. I think you're just making that up. (laughs) Yeah. And my problem was, everything was special to me. So I Mm -hmm. totally understood that. And I made it even worse on my kids. You know, the one thing they'd be willing to get rid of, I was like, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I gave that to you. Right. So, but, so I start with the trash because my goal is to make visible progress. So when I have a, a mass of stuff that looks like it's probably all super useful, I just make myself say, well, what in here is trash? What's broken? What's unusable? What did I mean to throw away? What is actual trash that just somehow ended up in this pile because it was a pile? And and so then I reduce the overall volume of the mess. And when I do that, I see visible progress and the visible progress makes me feel less overwhelmed and willing to keep going. And so then each step takes it farther through that. So like the next step is the easy stuff, which is stuff that already has an established home somewhere else in the house. Um, It's just not there. Things that when I say easy, it doesn't necessarily mean physically easy to put away. It means mentally easy. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to make a decision. I don't have to analyze or anything. I just go and do that. And then I work through decluttering questions, which help me make a decision about each and every item. Either it leaves my house or it goes to its actual home. And then making it fit, you know, with the container concept, which is a whole thing that organized people are born knowing and I was not born knowing. So I had to figure out that, oh, containers are not meant to be things that I stick stuff in like I always thought they were. That's what I thought organized people were doing. They were getting all these cute containers and sticking stuff in it. When in reality, those containers were limits to how much they could keep. And that was my problem. I didn't realize there were limits to how much I could keep. So when I started looking at things that way, you know, so every shelf is the limit to how much stuff I can have. It has to fit on that shelf. And then that also frees me emotionally as well, which I know that's a super succinct version of it. but, But, you know, it's all those things that I had to put in place to keep those emotions out of it. You talk a lot about any progress is progress. So anything that you declutter or throw away or donate, even if it's one thing, that's progress. Yes. And I found that very very useful to think about because a lot of times what happens is I open a drawer and I think, oh, for God's sake, and then I close it again because I can't clean the whole thing right now. I'll never clean the whole thing. And since I read your book, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw out this pack of 49 cards. There's never going to be a, you know, 50, 51, <laughs> and 52nd playing card. It's not going to appear. 
I'm going to throw that out. And then I think, well, I threw one thing out. That's good. So one foot in front of the other, right? Yes. Yes. And that's where the whole speed of life comes in. You know, it's like my real life is not one where I can actually, especially in this phase of my life, it's the busiest phase I've ever been in, you know? Right. And so it is, it's just not possible for me to stop everything for two weeks while I do it all perfectly. And you make a big distinction between organizing and decluttering. So I'm sure there are people listening who have a a goal to get organized in 2018. That's different from what you're talking about. Yes, it is. And my problem was I assumed I needed to get organized. Like I thought it was all just one big thing. My problem was organizing is problem solving. And when I think about organizing something, I think, let me grab a piece of paper and sit down with a pencil and figure this all out. Figure out how my life is going to go for the next 30 years. How can I solve this before it's a problem again? You know, what can I do that's going to make things run smoothly forever? And so all that thinking was me not getting started. And so when I first started in a total moment of just desperation, I started this blog, A Slob Comes Clean, I was going to get my house under control. And when I did that, I just said, okay, well, I can't worry about getting organized yet. I'm just going to declutter first. What ended up happening was I realized, oh, when I just declutter, for one thing, I'm free. I don't have to stop and think about anything. I just have to start getting stuff out of my house. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm free to just go ahead and get started. But the other thing too was my house was more organized just by decluttering. And so that's my big thing is go ahead and just declutter. Like don't even think about organizing right now. Just get stuff out of the house. And when I do that, my house feels more organized, it looks more organized, and it functions more organized because I'm not sifting through a bunch of junk to get to the things that I need. The things I need are just right there where I need them, when I need them, which is kind of the goal of organizing, right? So that's basically how that distinction really, really helped me. Right. And if anyone's listening and, you know, you're trying to figure out how you can get a handle all this stuff, I also really recommend Dana's podcast has the same name, right? A Slob Comes Clean? Yes. I just listened to an episode the other day that was really uh, useful about donating. I know you're a big fan of donating rather than throwing out, but there was a, a great interview with someone from the Salvation Army about things that you can donate, which was uh, eye-opening for me because she mentioned a couple of things that I never thought you could donate. So check out the podcast. Um, and I wanted to ask, there was a recent episode that you did on clutter and creativity and how those are related. And I think all of us at this phase of life wish we could be more creative and not so much doing the same thing as as ever. You know, that's what midlife is a little bit about, trying to figure out how you're going to be creative in the second half. So how does clutter prevent us from doing that? Well, I think one thing that's important to understand is a lot of times the people who have a lot of clutter problems tend to be creative. Not all creative people have a lot of clutter issues, but people with clutter issues tend to be very creative. Meaning, we see things differently. One of the things that I did, I did not put that together until I started this blog, where I honestly thought I was the only person in the world, I was just going to do this for a little while to figure out my own house, get my own house under control. And it turned out that I was not the only person out there who struggled like I did. And the common thread that I saw between the people who all said, oh my goodness, the things you're saying are exactly the things that I experienced too, was that they were all very, very highly creative people. And you've got a background in theater arts, right? Right, right. And so I saw this connection in my own brain of, okay, so this creative part of me that I love and celebrate 
is directly related to my clutter issues. And so over time, I've just kind of looked at that, looked at it from that perspective and realized that is the reason that I have a lot of my clutter. I see things differently. I see value in things that other people don't. I am, I love the idea of upcycling. I love the idea of repurposing and all that kind of stuff. And so I would just gather, gather, gather with this idea that that was going to help me be creative someday. When in reality, getting stuff out of my house helped actually make me more creative. Because a lot of times, what I sometimes forget and I have to remind myself, is creativity often comes from a place of necessity. You know, I mean, like, for example, reading Little House on the Prairie stuff, you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff when they would just make use of every last little thing that just makes my that just makes everything in me go, Oh, I just I just love that. Like, it just speaks to my soul, you know, and that's the kind of creative that I want to be. So I would save things thinking, well, I bet you, you know, I could use this one day when in the, the reality was their creativity was coming from having to do that, from needing to do that. The truth is the more you are creative, the more it just, it's like it turns that creativity wheel and keeps it going and keeps me, it just breeds more creativity where the bringing in of stuff ends up stifling that creativity. Good point. I mean, you can be in the gathering phase all the time, or you can be in the using phase. And, you know, and kids are a fantastic example, because every parent knows that when the kid's sitting there with toys surrounding them at every angle, they're saying they have nothing to do. You put everything away and leave them in a basically empty room with one or two things, and they play like crazy. I mean, that right. that's reality. It doesn't seem like it should be, but that is the truth about creativity. It's generally from a place of it does not come from having too much. Right. So I loved that your book included a chapter of helping other people declutter. And I think for Gen Xers, I mean, certainly in my case, we're in a situation where we have aging parents who are downsizing. Uh, I've got a kid who went off to college last year. You know, oftentimes when I'm thinking about this, I'm trying to help other people figure out how to identify clutter, how to identify what they really need. I just think putting yourself into other people's, your children's head, into your parents' heads, like it's often not our own stuff we're thinking about. It's somebody else's. So what does that mean? What strategies or tools can you give us to think about uh, in terms of decluttering that way? Well, so I just went through that. I, we just moved my mother-in-law in, into an assisted living facility um, out of their house that they'd been in for 48 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's where the fact that I had to come up with these strategies for my own self and my own tendency to be emotional about things, you know, where I took the emotions out, it helps me be able to help other people because Mm -hmm. emotions aren't part of it. You know, we're not in a power struggle. We're not in a value assessment of what you think is valuable, what I think is valuable. That's not what we're talking about. It's simply a matter of the space that you're going to is this big and this is how much. So let's fill it with your favorite stuff first. And then that way, when it's full, that's the limit, you know, now, obviously, sometimes you don't have the luxury of that. That is my one piece of advice that somebody gave us that I'm really thankful for, which is, if you can possibly not move out of the house of 48 years, 
straight into the assisted living and have it be gone. Do you know what I mean? Like she went ahead and moved and we took minimal stuff. And then over time, she said, because the house hadn't sold yet, she said, oh, you know what I really wish I had was this mirror that was above the bed. You know, so little things like that, we're able to just bring it in and go, okay, you know, we're at the limit now. So anything else that comes in, it has to be something else leaves when it comes in. Right. But yeah, just going through things non-emotionally, you know, so things that I would do with her was, I would just say, I'm just going to be the muscle for you. Like I'm, I'm not coming in here and telling you what you have to do, but you know, we do have to get things out of here so that we'll be able to get you moved. So I'll just be the muscle. And so I would go through my decluttering questions. I would, you know, pull out trash. Hey, do you see any other trash in here that I'm not seeing? You know, Hey, is there anything in here that needs to be somewhere else? Okay. And then I would start, you know, picking things up and asking the two decluttering questions. So moving through that process that's the issue with with her age group is she's not physically able right. to do these things anymore. And I do have to say my in-laws lived below their clutter threshold, which is my definition for the point at which your stuff turns into clutter is when you have too much of it. You know, so they they did not live with way too much stuff. So honestly, it could have been so much worse. Right. It'll be a little worse with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I think the greatest gift my parents ever gave us 10 years ago, they moved from our house of 40 years into a townhome. And they so they went through that process of figuring out what they needed. And, um, you know, when the day comes for my mom to leave, my dad's passed away, but when the day comes for my mom to leave the townhome, it's going to be a much more manageable lift. Thanks to, thanks to them having the foresight to do that. And I want to do that for my kids. I don't want my kids to be in a position where they're like, do we, does mom need this dish? I want to figure that out. So, um, well, and I think, I think that's key. What you just said, one of the things that helped us so much was about five years ago, we had a huge garage sale and we just helped them have a garage sale. That Mm -hmm. was it. You know, it was like, hey, kind of brought up that my sister-in-law had brought up the subject with them and, oh, you know, and they resisted some, but we just helped them get rid of the easy stuff, basically stuff that they weren't emotionally attached to so that it just eliminated so much. And I really saw the benefit of that as I was cleaning out their house. I'm like, this could be so much worse than it is. Um, And so I think, you know, if you're not sure and you're just dreading that, just have a garage sale, you know, or or just do whatever you can do is going to help you down the road in that. Right. What else will help you down the road is if you read Dana's book. So I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to give away a copy of the book. And in order to enter, you guys can just go over to the show notes page for this episode at midlifemixtape.com. Just click on the tab that says podcast and you'll see Dana right at the top. Let's say you can leave a comment over there by 5 p.m. on Tuesday, February 13th. That's the same day of my ne- of the next episode. So uh, that's an arbitrary cutoff. I think I'll be carpooling somebody to ballet at that moment, actually. But let's do it. 5 p.m. <laughs> Pacific on Tuesday, February 13th. Leave your name, and then I'll pick someone at random to win a copy of the book, which I quite liked. Now, Dana, as a Gen Xer, I know from the book that you were surprised to find yourself a deslobification expert. I'm guessing that that was not what you thought when you were a Gen Xer in college studying theater arts. So, you know, when you were kind of looking down the road at what you thought your life and your career was going to look like in your 20s versus where you're where you find yourself now in your 40s, are you surprised? Does it make sense to you? Are you glad for the twists and turns that brought you here? 
it still makes me just shake my head sometimes and go, how did this happen? Um, and my mother... You invented a job title. I did. My mother laughs about it all the time. She just thinks it's the most hilarious thing in the world that I teach other people about <laughs> cleaning. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of the time period that we're living in is you really can just create your own job. So my basic story is, yes, I was an English and theater arts teacher. Um, that's what I went to college for. Theater was my number one main thing. And then I became a stay-at-home mom because that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I was passionate about it. But you know, when you have that creativity burning inside of you, you're like, okay, so I was always looking for some sort of creative outlet for myself. Mm -hmm. And also always thinking, what could I do as a job, you know, that would pair well with this motherhood gig that I have. And so when my kids were, it was actually the day that my middle child started kindergarten, that I started this blog thinking that it was only going to be a practice blog. I'd always wanted to blog as soon as I found out what they were, because I thought, well, I want to be a writer, you know, that seems like a good creative outlet, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought I want to write and that will work well. And here's blogs so I could write and go ahead and see what happened from that. But I thought I was just going to practice. So I actually was blogging anonymously in the beginning because I didn't want anyone to know about my slob problem <laughs> that I had. <laughs> what brought you out of the closet? Well, you know, it turned into my real blog. About two years in, I finally said, okay, I think this is my actual thing that I meant to do. Oh God, do I because I found my gift. <laughs> I know. Well, I, you know, it's, it's one of those, you know, it's like, okay, so I was a theater arts teacher. So it kind of makes sense that I make YouTube videos and I do podcasts and, you know, it's all that kind of stuff where some people are like, oh, I would never want to talk into a microphone. And I'm thinking, I love talking into a microphone. Right. You know, so it's, it's kind of, it goes along well with that. I, it, I call it my stay-at-home mom version of performance art, you know, I mean, I can do what I want to do. And, and that's kind of this crazy world that we live in is I can write whatever I want to write on a blog. And, um, you know, and then it's turned into an actual career where I am able to do this, but only because I put a lot of years into it before it was my job. Do you know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. I was just playing around, having fun, and then um, was able to, you know, turn that into something that actually justifies me not going back to teaching. Right. You know, I think at this point in our 40s and 50s, we get to sort of look back and say, oh, that's why I did that. Oh, now I see why that yes. job that I took and hated actually is beneficial because now I know how to do X, Y, Z or you right. Know, it, it's like you get to look back and start seeing the fruits of your labor that you you didn't even realize were fruits at the time. Exactly. Right. So what one piece of advice do you have for people younger than you or do you wish you could go back and tell yourself? My main thing, if we're going to be talking about clutter, is add everything to your home with purpose. So live in the now. That was my problem. Because I'm always thinking about the future and all that, I always thought about the future more than I thought about right now and what I might want to have in the future, not knowing who I was going to become one day. And so I collected all of it thinking I would one day have everything figured out and be able to use it all perfectly, you know, right. and be glad that I had it. Where a big part of my own process of getting to this point where stuff is no longer a huge challenge for me has just been saying, I'm going to live right now. Right now I'm 43 and I'm just going to enjoy being 43, whatever that means. You know, for, for me right now, it's my kids are teenagers and we have basketball games and all sorts of different things multiple nights a week. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to enjoy it. 
Right. It's going to be here and then it's going to be gone. So I might as well just love it while I'm in it. And transferring that to my stuff saying, I only want stuff that actually makes our right now life better. Where in reality, when I was keeping things for the future or bringing things in, thinking I might need them in the future, they were making my right now life much more difficult. That's great advice. And I think that's part of what's hard about this phase of life sometimes is realizing, oh, yay, I've become this. Oh, wait, I haven't become this person that I always assumed I was going to be yeah. one day. Which, and that can be kind of a painful realization. As you look at giving certain things away, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm not the painter that I thought I was when I was 14 or whatever. Right. Well, Dana, thank you so much for being with us. So Dana White's new book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life, Winning Your Never-Ending Battle with Stuff is coming out in February. You can check out more from her at her blog and podcast. Both are called aslobcomesclean.com, right? Yes. And you've got a pre-publication giveaway over at the at the blog. Can you explain what that is? Sure. So it's the five-day clutter shakedown, and it basically takes you through my basic steps to dealing with an overwhelming mess. Um, and I, it's video, so you actually see me work through a mess and work through the different processes. Um, And it's five videos. They're between eight and 12 minutes each. And there's also an audio file and a transcript of each one in case your internet doesn't do video very well. But yeah, that's a pre-order bonus. It's a $30 course, but it's free for anyone who pre-orders Decluttering at the Speed of Life and goes and fills out the form at slobcomesclean.com slash bonus. It occurs to me we should have done this as a video podcast and I could have shown you my ping pong room, quote unquote, ping pong room that has a ping pong table in it. No one's played ping pong there for, I don't know, 14 years. We could have wow. just, I could, I could have had you apply your five steps and had a completely new, you know, craft room or something at the end of it. But I guess I'm gonna have to do it myself, huh? You can. You should get <sighs> here. I will send you the link for the, um, for the five day clutter shakedown, and oh, you no. can you can go through that and work. I'm it. gonna yeah. go sign up for it. I'm gonna do it legitimately, just like everybody who's listening will. <laughs> All right, Dana, thank you so much for being on the show today. Have a great week. Thanks a lot for for being with us. Thanks. It was fun. You guys, I seriously use Dana's steps to half clear out the ping pong room as well as one bookshelf. And if I accomplish nothing else this year, I am already surrounded by less clutter than I was in 2017. I asked over on the Midlife Mixtape Facebook page what the biggest clutter challenges are that you guys face. And a lot of people mentioned home offices and desks. There was a total throw him under the bus situation where someone outed her husband and said it was the floor on her husband's side of the bed. But my favorite response was, quote, the part after you pass the front door, end quote, who can't relate to that. So what are you going to finally, finally clean up in 2018? Let me know. You can email me at dj at midlifemixtape.com or find me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter at Midlife Mixtape. And don't forget to leave a comment on the show notes page. If you'd like a chance to win Dana's book, you just go to midlifemixtape.com, click on the podcast tab. You'll see the Dana episode right at the top and uh, leave a comment in there. Easy peasy. While you're there, why not subscribe to the blog? You could do that too. You could do two things in one day. That's it for this week. Next episode comes out on Valentine's Day. Not February 14th, but February 13th. And not Valentine is in the holiday, but Valentine is in my guest, musician Kathy Valentine. You may know her as the bassist for a little band called the Go-Go's. Since then, Kathy's raised a daughter, played with her band the Blue Bonnets, pursued an MFA in creative writing, and elevated other women in the arts. And I cannot wait to talk with Kathy Valentine about her midlife journey, and I hope you'll tune in. 
All right, you guys, your junk drawer is calling you. Go clean it out. Have a wonderful week. I wanna be, I wanna be free by whatever